0: The guests on Love Hurts occasionally use some adult language and go into some more intense subject matter, but that's kind of how real life works anyway. This is Love Hurts. I'm Brian Berlin. Today's guest is Mark Pagon. Mark is a filmmaker and audio producer living in Brooklyn. Growing up, Mark had two half-brothers who were much older than he was, and as a result, he never felt very close to them. Then, something happened when he was an adult that changed the way he connected to each of them in his life. Hey, Mark, how's it going? I'm all right, Brian. How are you? I feel like this is that day uh, where, like, people finally remember that, like, it's the world is nice sometimes in New York. Like, people are outside, like, we, uh... (laughs) Like, I went for a run today, and people were out, and it was like, I guess it's a weirder version of that. Like, I feel like I remember this day in every year, the day that, like, everyone's outside, but this is, like, a different version of that yeah. this year. But
1: <laughs> It's the day on the calendar I call, I have shorts. It's like, yeah. Yeah. all <laughs> of a sudden, it's like, no, like, don't, you don't need to put those on today. Like, you got a while, like, you will have a whole season to wear those. Like, I get it, it's a little bit warmer, but. Well, I will say after we're recording this, uh, we are going out to eat somewhere. We're going to sit outside, nice, but we won't be teeth chattering or anything.
0: Cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, What did you want to talk about today?
1: Um, I'm going to start with something very recent and then go way backwards. I just finished working on a project that um, is very meaningful for me. It was it was an audio project, and my brother Ralph posted on Facebook uh, and used the word. Uh, my brother, Mark, uh, worked on this show. And out of like all any potential accolades or anybody sharing it or anything like that, that was the screenshot I took. That was like the most meaningful thing. Um, and it's, it's, it's a long story, um, but I wanted to talk about my father's sons, uh, including myself, and uh, my father had three sons. And this is a, the story, in some ways, of the three of us, but really how the, uh, David, the middle son, uh, kind of became the bridge between Ralph and I. Ralph is the, the oldest or the eldest. Um, but I, to kind of give some context, I grew up, I'm the youngest uh, of, of mixed marriages. Okay. My father uh, was from from the Caribbean. He he passed away years ago. And um, in his first marriage, he had a number of kids, two sons, Ralph and David. And uh, like I said, Ralph is the eldest. David uh, was the youngest of that batch of kids. Got remarried to my mom, had two more kids. I was the last. Now, the other thing is my dad was, my mom likes marrying old men. My dad was super senior to my mom, 20-something years. So I was like, I was not only the last kid, I was, my dad was like, fuck this, like I'm, I'm done. (laughs) So when I was born, Ralph, the oldest uh, uh, son, um, and I'll come to the word, the the reason I'm not using the word brother in a little bit, but the oldest son, when I was born, he was already married uh, and he was going to about to have his first kid so yeah (laughs) like there wasn't much of a relation there that that could happen at that age and david um david was right sort of in the middle david was i think around maybe 12 or something when i was born he was he was a, a middle school kid and for a family uh with that wider age range as well as two marriages like we did the best we could to sort of get to know each other like there's only so much relating i can do with like ralph got you know he got divorced by the time i was in middle school like i couldn't really relate to a brother like that
0: yeah it like and and were they like in and out of your world like growing up with how how like a part of your growing up were i guess ralph had his own family at that point but like, he had his own family was yeah. david kind of in and out of your world too
1: yeah yeah well the other part of this too is that uh Sort of like if these were fictionalized characters, it's like the priest, the bad boy and the artist. Um, And those would be very like stereotyped uh, uh, looks at the three of us. Uh, Ralph ended up, he currently is a a deacon, a Catholic deacon, but a very religious guy. Uh, He was a a window contractor for years or or owned a a contracting business. Um, I ended up going roughly into the arts. And then David was the like the ne'er do well. So he was he was the one my dad would get phone calls from the police and the police would say things like or my mom would and say uh, "Rafael Pagan was seen siphoning gas from somebody's car or something like that. My mom's like my husband. And it was David because my half-brother was using my dad's car or something like that. When I was growing up, David would come in and out of my life and, you know, my parents would say, can you babysit Mark and Lydia? I'd say, sure. They would leave and be like, all right, we're going to the pool hall. And sort of like, I, you know, go and hang out with the pool hall while he was, you know, betting and I'd hold his, his <laughs> winnings and stuff like that. And then Ralph, at that age, he was he was kind of, I hate to say this, but kind of square. You know, as a, as a young man, he was like kind of a, he smoked, which I thought was cool, like an adult smoking and stuff like that. But he was he went to church, you know, he whenever we were sort of like at a Ralph dinner, we would say, you know, a blessing and a prayer before a meal. And David was like really exciting. He was a really exciting, you know, to me, he looked like Bruce Springsteen, um, but they were they were in and out a bit. And I think uh, mostly because of the age, but also because of like David being a kind of a tough guy um our dad died when very su- suddenly our dad died i was in high school um ralph was whatever age he was at close to a divorce and david was uh so i was in high school david probably was in his late 20s something like that yeah and it hit us all hard and very differently uh it was uh at the time there was a bit of a rift in the family in some ways. And so we weren't, I wasn't seeing, uh, there's a number of siblings. I wasn't seeing all of them all that much. Um, but we all met at the hospital the the night my dad died and it had been, and it had been quite some time since I'd seen David. Um, and he looked a little bit different. He looked, life had kind of shown up a little bit more on him. Um, But I was a high school kid, and we, um, you know, as being a high school kid, like, I sort of just did my own thing for years. You know, uh, I sort of lost track with David when I would come back home, you know, I did high school. When I came back home from college, Ralph would want to get together, and so we'd, you know, I'd get stories about David through Ralph. But even when I got together with Ralph, it was still like... I was still a college kid and he was in his forties and been divorced and like had extra kids. It was like really remarried. Yeah.
0: Like he's almost this kind of just like ancillary, almost like uncle. Right. And, and like it's your dad is the connecting person of all of your lives and he's gone. So you're kind of feeling like I'm not exactly sure what these people are to me at this point in my life.
1: The thing, the common thing that would happen is especially as I got a little bit older We'd be at some sort of dinner party, something where it was a social event, and uh somebody would come up and say, Well, who sort of like who are you guys? Or they would know Ralph, or something like, and who is this? And both of us would fumble because there was such like a stark age difference that we would just have to give like the soliloquy of like, well, <laughs> you know, he's he's my bro- well, he's my half-brother. I think maybe we use but it always feels awkward to say that. Um. So we just give this this whole story about like my dad and blah blah blah, and so people sort of nod, but nobody really had much interest. in, in yeah, like, like it's not. Out. It was a thing <laughs>
0: that like wasn't that interesting, but you couldn't have a quick conversation about. Like it took enough time to tell the thing, but it was only yeah. so interesting. So it was just it's just like, only I, so I don't know what we're supposed to say. <laughs> yeah,
1: but um, I always. I always wanted. I was the baby. I always wanted an older brother. I wanted to be one, but I—I I had this option, you know. And it was like, it just felt so close and so far because of the because again the age yeah. difference.
0: Uh, it's like in it's the ideal world. Like in your mind, your idea of an older brother is like the brother who's two years older than you or three years older it. than you, and yeah. is like doing things, showing you the cool movies or games, and like. Can drive you around, and when he has a car, type thing, right? Like there, there's enough of an overlap in your lives growing up, where this, you, the overlap that you had with these two brothers is so wide.
1: It's um, for my like 14th birthday or something like that, my friends would get me. I remember like I got a dance hall CD, which was totally up my alley, and then my then Ralph gave me, and this reference means nothing to most people, an Otmar Liebert CD. <laughs> Admar Liebert, I wanna say he's Spanish, I'm probably wrong. It is like it is like new agey soft jazz. It's like, it is like the it is it is like caught dead in high school listening to something like this. Arguably, I'd probably listen to it now. Yeah, yeah. Now, now it's exactly your yeah, taste. it was fine. just thirty
0: years. You were thirty years behind yeah, on late. appreciating it. Too late.
1: But I, I really, I wanted, I wanted to have an older brother, and I always thought I, I as well, probably the same as them. I was like, but these are we're we related, but I don't know. Like I, yeah, yeah. Ralph's are, they're square. He's square. David's not around, and then other things like they. My my father's ex wife. My father was Puerto Rican. His ex wife was Puerto Rican, and like the, they they all spoke great Spanish. My Spanish wasn't very good. Um, there was the age thing. I was running around. I was out of town. All of this. So I'm I I had lost track with um, Ralph, and I had developed somewhat of a relationship, but I really lost track of David over the years, and. Um, like I said he was a neer do He was the he would, you know, have trouble with the law and things like that. But years ago, I got a call from Ralph, and he said, uh, I was living in Maryland at the time where where we're all sort of from. And he said, uh, David invited us to a barbecue. He he has a house now. And so we we went down. and he's like, David was the kind of kind of get like we'd all laugh and sort of like, oh, what's the David story now? We got down there, And it was this, it was like this beautiful Southern Maryland property, like it was a house, and it was, and he had like a pit barbecue, and like it was a real deal. It was like this dude is an adult now, like oh my god, it's incredible. And he had, you know, he lost some hair, and you know, time had taken done its thing to him a little bit, but it, he looked pretty like cleaned up. Um, David was a mechanic, and so. Part of what he was doing in southern maryland i think he was working at a specific shop but he had sort of put his life together uh quite a bit and had this great house and it's just like wow this is this is really incredible um so i i think that was that's really the place where where i had lost uh from there i just i i moved i was i was living in different places and blah blah, blah and just sort of living my life and occasionally when i come home i'd see ralph kind of get a minor update on david um didn't really see him all that much. Yeah. 2012 I was at a I was doing an art residency in northwest Minnesota and Ralph, Ralph called me and because of the kind of the, the nature of our relationships, I get two phone calls from Ralph. I get two kinds of phone calls from Ralph. Uh I get like his butt dialing me from his jordashes like i don't know how he does it but he has an iphone but he's the only person that somehow butt dials from an iphone (laughs) and so i'll get like a five-minute voicemail of rustling jeans or (laughs) or something and so i usually don't answer it's either that or it's bad news um and he called me and i just knew something was up uh so I called him back and just you very sober, very straight. He said, "Hi, Mark. Um, I I I got some bad news. David died." And uh, and I said, "What happened?" And he said, "It was a motorcycle crash." And I said, "Okay, all right." Um, and I I was away. I was in Minnesota, and I said, well, "What are, What are some of the details?" I said, "Well, we're gonna." I think we're we're gonna have try to get a funeral in the next five days, and uh, if you can come back home, I said I'll I'll make it home. I'll make it home. Yeah. So I up to that point, David's life was the way it sort of had stopped at his the time I went for the barbecue. Okay, it's like the how I knew his life, and so I went to the funeral, and you know his his friends who I didn't really know were there, and family was there, and everything like that.
0: And how long had that been since that barbecue moment? like how many years has it, has it been since you've kind of like been in his life, I guess?
1: I feel like uh, you know in reality, I probably there's like one or two maybe family events that hes that he came to or something like that yeah. very briefly. I know there was a wedding there was there was my nephew's wedding he came to that was I think that was might have been the last time I saw him and uh, but between going to the house for the barbecue and his death four years, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I went to the funeral and uh, after the funeral, Ralph uh, was talking to me and he said, as you know, he wasn't married. David, you know, David wasn't married. David didn't have any kids. David, you know, all of our, uh, our parents, uh, my mother is still alive, but like all the other parents and elders, they're all gone. Um, And here's the other thing to note is that Ralph we have a, another sibling who passed away. Ralph had Ralph had been taking care of, like, death for the last 30 years. Death and divorce and, like, and and people's shit. And so he had been doing a lot, uh, you know, and the, the side of being somebody who I, as a teenager, would consider square is that he got shit done and he took care of things. And we were talking after the funeral and I knew what he was going to ask me and I was already going to prompt him with sort of a bridge because this – this man and my family had taken care of so many family members. And he asked, he said, look, David didn't have anybody. Would you, could you take his take on his estate and be the executor? Um, and I said, more or less, like I would, it would be a real honor. And he said, okay. And when he walked away, he started laughing. And he, he said, yeah, good luck with that. I was like, "Wait a second! What did you? What did you not tell me?"
0: Yeah, like, like, did you have any idea, like, what that even meant at that? Like, I don't know. I'm 31 right now. I couldn't tell you. Like, I guess I have a sense of what that means, but like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I I did not. I was like, part part
1: of me. There's there's a few reasons I decided to say yes to this. the The first thing was very honest. Where it was like, uh, this is an honorable thing to do. Like, you're asking me to do something that is is for a family member yeah or and, yeah. yeah i like all that the other side too is was ego where it's like i've been the baby brother here for years or maybe not the baby brother i've been considered the baby of the family maybe even not fully considered a sibling and i'm going to show to you show you all what i can do
0: yeah there's that thing of like i want to finally step up because i've been this person who nobody's ever really like given a real thought to and a response not that you're not responsible but you're just yeah (laughs) the the years of things are such where it's like we're not mark it's not on mark to do this and now you're kind of like i can handle this
1: exactly so um ralph and some of the other family members took me down to the property they they took me down. Ralph had gone down there initially to get some, whatever documentation existed. And we went down there and it was, it was the site of somebody who had lost, lost with life. I, I don't know how to say it. Um, I don't want to go into too many details. You know, I want to be respectful of David but he had, he was battling a lot, and uh, the house was, the house was, um, we kind of, you know, this is a common thing now, but we, we couldn't go in there without masks. Um, it was, it was really, uh, it was, a, what's the word? It was like a biohazard walking in there. Um, so it was somebody who yeah, I, I just have never walked into something like that before. Uh, David was battling his own demons. He was $20,000, I think, in debt or owed $20,000. House was under foreclosure. He had nothing of value um, except about 34 vehicles on his property.
0: Oh, wow. So they were just like all over the yard?
1: All over. Everything from a Ford Fairlane, like a 1950-something Ford Fairlane, to a dump truck like he just had and he was this mechanic who would just like all the dudes all like the southern maryland dudes like some of them he was legit doing work for but but it was lots of favors like no nah, he was a good he was a damn good mechanic but so he's like no nah, man i'll take care of that for you
0: yeah like somebody had some car that's been sitting in their garage for years that their spouse is like you got to get rid of this thing and then like david would take it and try to try to ta- take care of it over years you would something.
1: take it yeah uh so I was I th- this was like the property. There was nothing we could do, and none of us were going to take that over. And so Ralph, to his credit, said, "You tell me when to step in." And to my ego, it was like, "No, I got this.
0: I got yeah, there's so some initial." So he's like, I, "It's on you," but I'm like ready. I'm here when you basically are like willing to say, "This is too much for me."
1: Yeah. And I was like, nope, I got this. I'm going to take care of this. So I'd go down. I was living at home at the time, borrowing my mother's car, (laughs) driving down to Southern Maryland, and just sitting in this house day after day, trying to do mixed semblance of like the mess that was his life, cleaning it up, trying to find documents. But the main thing was hunting for these titles, these car titles, or any information. Uh, We found... And I still have some here we found probably around 60, 80 pairs of keys you know just keys for cars cars that didn't like i look did this just bury itself into the ground like we have a you know a toyota key here we've got four toyota keys here and yet none of them fits <laughs> <laughs> fits the the celica that's that's sitting out there um it was all all of these all of these cars and all these vehicles on the property and on top of it i I'm not a confrontational person, um, but I was very scared, and I was very scared of the people in David's life. <laughs> and I, the only things like I had a relationship with the um, the re- the the staff at the Register of Wills in Calvert County, Maryland, where I, they were very nice. I had a relationship with Bank of America that wasn't so nice, but I could deal with corporation bureaucracy of trying to
0: hand the house back over to them so we didn't have to take it. Yeah, I guess in your mind, giving the house away is like, this is one less thing I have to deal with, right? If the bank has the house, it's like, great.
1: Yeah, it's like, it's it's away from us, like everything, but the main thing was like, we had to get these cars to their owners or get them sold or whatever it was. Yeah, you
0: basically had to like track, you had to like solve 30 mysteries of cars. (laughs)
1: Yeah, And we had, um, I had a, a variety of phone numbers, but all like every single voice was so it was just <laughs> I'm not making myself sound so brave here. It was just frightening. Frightening voices on the yeah, other end of that call. Yeah, you're having to
0: deal with all these strangers at a time when you're like, I don't I'm not up for this.
1: <laughs> yeah. And people were pissed. So like they were for some reason, I mean, I feel like I would be nudging someone if they had my 1955 Ford Fairlane. But somehow people weren't thinking about it until I called them. They'd be like, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, David has my car, man. What are do you doing my car? Like, I'm calling you to get the fucking thing. Like, what what are you, why are you getting mad at me? Like you should have called him for the last two or three years. And I'm getting I'm getting calls from from like all these numbers like David's got my car. David's got my car. Hey, my sister told me. David's got my motorcycle, blah, blah, blah. All the creditors are calling. I've got a, I'm getting like tax. I can barely even do my own taxes. I'm doing it for a dead person that owes $25,000 to the IRS. Like oh, it man. is just, it's just adding. It's just adding up call after call after call. And people are, are saying, hey man, I do need to talk to you. I'm going to see you or this or that, blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, Ralph is checking in saying, hey man. Do you need any help? And I'm going, no, I don't need any help. I got this. Everything is fine. So to my credit, I got, I don't know, 80, 90% of the vehicles <laughs> within a few months. Like to, either I got them to car for, car for junk or cars to junk or whatever the place is. I got. I found titles. Whoever did, I talked to this guy. It's this guy's brother who needs this. Like those people came. They brought, you know.
0: I, the, did you at least the, was there at least like one leftover that you had no contact for you're like I guess this one's mine like did you get a car out of this
1: so there was one car that was left and it was like um, it was not a Toyota Tercel but it was like a Toyota Tercel it had it had. Whatever the highest number of miles that you can have on a car. <laughs> it was like it was like bedrock version of that. It was like a prehistoric, like this is it almost went to the negatives of of how many miles it had. It reset on the counter. Yeah. Like- <laughs> and my and David had um because of run-ins with the law and because of like multiple, multiple D D U and DWIs and blah blah blah, he had I I can't remember. It has like a, a, like a simple name to it. It's like a breathe a lot device on it. I think it's something cheesy like that. And so uh, for those that don't know, um, it's uh, just a breathalyzer in your car that starts the ignition. So if you, you know uh, you turn the car off, you come back to the car, you have to breathe in it uh, for a certain length of time. And then the uh, breathalyzer Once it okays that you have no alcohol in your system, it starts the engine. So this was the last car. And this was the last one of the few cars that had a title and had, even though, Brian, I'm telling you, it had a million miles on it. It had some value. And so we found somebody that was going to take it. And I had to drive it, whatever, 60 miles to get it over there. It was the one, like, the, it was pretty much the last thing I needed to do. So... All I had to do was breathe into this breathalyzer, <laughs> dead sober at two o'clock in the afternoon. Start the car and drive it. And so I tried once; it failed. I tried again; it failed. Then, like, it shut the car off. And I kept trying, and I have no idea what was happening. I was trying every variety of breath. I was like, it was like an Olympic thing. Like, am I just not breathing into it right? And, you know, um, you know, I blow into my hand. I'm like, that feels like the right amount of breath, <laughs> and. It was like, it was like 45 minutes and it was February. It was cold. The house, like, the house, there was no electricity. I couldn't, you know, I, I, I had to go into my mom's car to warm myself up, but even that was doing it. <laughs> and I was just like, I needed somewhere, I just needed places to scream. And so when I'd get really frustrated during my time taking care of this property, I'd go into the house and sort of like. Move things around and like try to like throw things into garbage bags and say, like, damn it, David, why, why did you, uh, you know, why you're just getting so mad and everything. And so that's what I did. It was like 45 minutes of this breathalyzer. I go into the house, I go into the basement. I'm like basically screaming or trying to like put things into, into trash bags. And during this whole time, I don't, I don't remember, I might be wrong. I don't really remember getting emotional and or having like. Sort of like moments of just of just like uh just dead sort of like moments of silence. You know, I just everything was, was just like do it, do it, do it, do it. Yeah, do you
0: it. were so like task-oriented through this whole thing.
1: Get it done. And so I was in that basement, throwing things in garbage cans, freaking out, like huffing and puffing. And I just the words came out of me. I just went, I'm so sorry, Dad. I just it like it just said, I'm so sorry, Dad. And I I I just felt such wait for my father who's not here that he lost his son and then the words came out afterwards uh and i i just said i'm i'm so sorry david i just kept i just i couldn't stop myself from saying it i just kept saying i'm so sorry i'm so sorry david and i lost it i just i i i I let myself break down and You know, I was, again, apologizing to David. I was apologizing to my dad. I was apologizing to other family members that had died. And then just, like, because the floodgates still open, I was just, like, Word names would just come out of my mouth. I was like, "I'm sorry, Stephanie," and I was like, "That's my ex-girlfriend from five years ago." It's <laughs> like, okay, just add it to the pile. And so, like, I, I was just, I was just convulsing with, with, with tears and with apologies for people that were dead or people that maybe I just like didn't tip the right amount to. And, and uh, I got through this whole list and this litany, and I, I went back outside and I sat in the car and I, I called Ralph. And I said I need help. And he uh, he came and met me on this, you know, whatever this cold February day in southern Maryland. And you know, two breaths are better than one, I guess. And we got <laughs> we got this this damn breathalyzer started and got the car, the last the last piece of his estate, the only thing that had any monetary value, really. We got it sold. Um, and this is something that I can't, maybe I, you know, if I had been better at the time, I might've written a diary entry or something like that about it, but there was something around sometime soon after that, Ralph and I had been in contact and we'd been kind of getting to know each other a little bit through this process. And there was one phone call when I was closing out the estate. I was like, Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm talking to Bake America today and blah, blah. He's like, Well, how are things going with that? I'm just kind of catching up with like the nature of of how the estate closing was going. I was like, Okay, all right. All right, well, just let me know. Let me know if you need anything. And for the first time, I think, in my life, I heard him say, I love you. And I said it too. And I, yeah, I, I, I remember just, I, that feeling, I—it's funny to to feel new family and an old family member to feel like a, oh, you are you are my brother, like you are we are related in that deeper way, and not just Ralph, but I I this process, you know, I I felt that way about David, like I I am your brother, we are brothers because of this, and we like i said we would have these you know dinner we'd, we'd be socializing people say oh, who who is he to you and all that stuff and we'd fumble and ever since then it doesn't happen that often because we're not you know i'm here in new york where ralph is actually he's living in puerto rico now um but it happens now where we have to introduce each other and the word brother comes out and so that's you know when i i saw that post last week uh, on facebook and and saying this is my brother mark worked on this this is uh, he didn't say the words i'm proud of you or anything like that but i think it was very simple it was my brother my brother worked on this and it's i i can't tell you what that trophy that, that how that feels like a like the trophy that i won in all this um and the 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 answering of that need—it's—it's—it's it's a, a—it's a—it's a profound word. It has a profound effect on me, uh, and I feel like a sense of like a spiritual sense of that with with David too. I I, I mean he better like I took care of that house like he he really better, you know, think of me fraternally in that way. Yeah, um, it,
0: like it totally—it's—it's it's like you said it so simply, but it, like it changes the way that you two looked at each other, right? It's like all of a sudden mm-hmm. there's this different. Word that you associate with each other, even though it was so similar to the other word, but now it meant so much more.
1: Yeah, he's. Um, I've talked to Ralph about it, and we've we've had a conversation. We've had a number of conversations, but he, uh, you know, he said, "Like I, I, think David brought us together." And I, I've heard that from other people and experiences, and it's true. You know, I uh, sure it's silver lining, but like I, for for Ralph. Ralph does he's a spiritual person, you know he's 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 a deacon, he's a Catholic deacon, and we we can have these sorts of talks, but like i i really I very much appreciate that sentiment, and I agree with it too, like
0: yeah, if there was something this, good to come out of this, yeah, like, losing this person in your life, yeah, um it's also the thing that I found really interesting is when you went to the basement and were just like apologizing to everyone. Mm. It felt like this version of a confession, right? Like, and mm. the person you then call is the Catholic deacon. Like, it's just funny. <laughs> like, that's kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm going to call my brother in this moment. But it is funny that he has this, like, religious background to him. And in that moment, you were just kind of, like, apologizing for everything, like, just things you didn't even realize you were doing. And it didn't uh, feel yeah, like this weird I didn't even think about that. confession out to the world. But I guess, like, then he's the first person you were to talk to after that. I thought that was kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, I hadn't connected that. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, that's a great story. I mean, it's such a great story. Um, I'm glad that you two were able to, yeah, find a deeper connection with each other, and I guess like you were able to find a deeper connection with your kind of whole family in the process.
1: Yeah, I we definitely that's the case, and I think too, I think there is an age. That most of us regardless of gender regardless of uh who we're dating where most of us it's sort of like you've you've done all the dumb things you've gotten through your saturn returns like you you're, there's like a certain age where it's like you're you're pretty much fully dateable now as an adult like you're yeah you're
0: mostly put together
1: <laughs> yeah you've 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 done like you've you've done weird jobs you blah 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 and all this stuff um And I think, too, with Ralph and I, I've I've sort of like I've come to that baby brother, half brother, like our dad married somebody really young thing. Just like we're bald and graying men now, you know, who have like taken care of dead relatives (laughs) and have like bonded over weird stuff and, you know, both probably take medicine and all that. Like we we're looking alike now. You know, I did not have a beard when I was Ralph had a freaking beard when when I was. When I came into the world as his brother, like yeah. a real person's beard <laughs> and a mortgage, and um, yeah, there's besides this relationship with David, it's like cool. I think we can we can see our point of views kind of line a little bit more now.
0: Yeah, you have lived enough life where now you've caught up in terms of like the amount of things that you have in common. We're not. Yeah, now you will listen to that CD he got you in <laughs> yeah. high school that you wouldn't have <laughs> even thought about listening then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. Well, thanks so much for sharing all this, Mark. It was thanks. great to hear it. I I don't have a
1: chance to talk about it all that much. And it's um it's meaningful to me and it's it's I I love celebrating uh I don't know, I, I guess I love celebrating the two of them too. Uh, yeah. And, and I'm I'm really happy to share uh who these men were and are to me.
0: Well, it's also, I feel like it's a very good uh, segue into the podcast that you have. Tell us a little bit about your podcast.
1: I host and produce a show called Other Men Need Help, which is a um, show that looks at the ways men deal with mostly insecurity and connection. And that's a the more fun way to explain it is Sesame Street. About men for adults. Yeah. That's, um, I
0: feel like that's very good. That's a great explanation for the episodes I listen to. That's great.
1: Yeah. But you can find it and listen to it wherever you listen to these podcasts.
0: Cool. And then, if people do you have like a personal Instagram or Twitter or something or a website if people want to follow you there? Yeah.
1: I'm on everything, I think um, more <laughs> or less social media. all the social medias. Uh, at the mark pagan on twitter mark pagan on instagram saying other men need help on uh twitter and um instagram uh we say or i say i'm on twitter facebook but have the most fun on instagram so cool that uh, feels
0: like yeah, where most people are at these days
1: yeah i like instagram
0: cool well thanks so much again mark for sharing and for being here
1: Thanks, Brian. This was really fun, and I really appreciate you having me on to talk about all this. This is how we love. This is how we fight for something that's right.
0: Love Hurts is produced, hosted, and edited by Brian Berlin. Theme music by Mickey Hommel. Show art by Caroline Mallon. You can find Love Hurts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about it. You can find Love Hurts on Twitter and Instagram at lovehurtspod, and our website is lovehurtspod.com. I'm Brian Berlin, and this is Love Hurts.